This is Rob Powell, and today in Touch Turbo Talks, we're talking to Sebastian Kienle about the 2019 Ironman World Championships. It's Monday, October the 21st, and we're just over a week after the Ironman World Championships in Hawaii. And we're going to look back at this event and more with the winner of the 2014 race. And this year he came third. And I guess he's actually the favorite triathlete of yeah, a lot of you out there. It's no one else than Sebastian Kingle. Welcome, Sebi. How are you? Um, yeah, doing uh, doing actually uh, pretty all right. Um, of course, still a little bit uh, banged up from the from the long travel. We stayed until until Thursday in in Kona, and then it's a it's a long trip back. Um, I uh, hurt my hip flexor a little bit, so um, I have to get back that uh checked out but uh yeah other than that it's 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 all right um after kona you're always a little bit <laughs> um kind of like lost because for us as uh, professional athletes uh you kind of lost the meaning meaning of life more, uh, more or less and uh so therefore it's always a little bit of um a struggle um in the first week till you actually really enjoy the downtime I was just about to ask how those post-Kona blues were, but uh, how, how did you manage in the last week to sort of like relax and to wind down after that? Did you do anything specific? Um, yeah, we uh, we always go for a couple of days in the, in the Four Seasons uh, Resort there. That's uh, my favorite spot of the island. And it's also quite good to uh, make peace with the island, so to say, and the uh, the race is very uh, demanding and the week before the race of course is also a lot of stress a lot of um, the attention is focused on this one race that's the only time where the triathlon leads uh, move out of the little nutshell of triathlon and got recognized from the mainstream media and therefore that comes with a lot of um, stress for us as well and so it's good to uh, not leave the island with an impression that this is actually something stressful, negative, or um, that you link it with a lot of pain or whatsoever. So I always try to have a positive feeling when I leave the island so that I come back with a positive feeling. <laughs> is it something that you try to do like after every race? At least always take the positives out of it and write it down or line it up for yourself? Or Um yes i i do i try to to really uh, usually i write a mail to my coach sometimes i will never send the mail <laughs> actually but it's good to get some some thoughts together um of course uh, directly after the race you are very emotional often and um so it's good to to uh, to look back i would say a week after the race and then probably even a month after the race but that's just for the important races, obviously. And um, yeah, that always, always helps to to have the right perspective and uh, yeah, to, to, to improve long term. So we're now about a week after the race. So what was the main, <laughs> what is the main takeaway that you have now from the race? <laughs> it's difficult to actually have a main takeaway from the race, but I would say the whole year was pretty good um i was struggling with my achilles left and right for quite some time since 2014 actually 
um, there always have been stretches where, yeah, where I didn't really enjoy what I was doing. And this year it was really, really good actually. And I think I made a lot of progress in the right direction. At the end, it's I didn't read the reach the ultimate goal, and um, that was winning winning Kona again. But I still have to be very happy with my with my race. I think you see how fast uh, the sport is uh, progressing, and still the the athletes who were yeah on the on the circuit in the last five or six years, they constant constantly improve, and so therefore it's definitely not an easy ask to even make the podium because i have the feeling there are more and more athletes who are actually capable capable of uh, doing doing that in kona so therefore i'm overall pretty happy with my with my race of course there have been a couple of things um, where i'm not 100 percent happy but um that's i think total totally normal <laughs> Yeah, I think as you mentioned, like you were feeling a lot better on that run with that Achilles problems. Uh, just your season in a recap: first Challenge Hall run, first the Challenge Championship, uh, second in Frankfurt, fifth at the seventy point three Worlds, now third in Kona. Um, and you actually said like that you believed when you started the run in Kona that you that you could still win. And at some point, then during the run, you sort of realize, okay, Jan is just invincible probably today. Um, so how do you cope then mentally when that rea- sort of like reality hits you? Like, okay, it's not going to be for first, but I really want to get that podium. I think one the the most important part all, all, um, happens for before the race um, to have a very high but realistic goal. And I knew that it's going to be very very difficult to beat Jan. And if you go into the race and t- tell yourself everything else than a win is shit. Well, then it's very difficult to even reach a finish line, probably, if you realize you're not going to win the race anymore. And I know probably that was uh, two years ago. I was running in second place behind Lionel Sanders, and I was so sure that I have really, really good chance to win the race. And the end, at the end, I ended up being fourth place because it was very difficult for me to find reasons why... I still want to push after I realized I will not win the race anymore. And so I really faded away in the last 10K. And after this race, I told myself, it's that's not like the right approach. I mean, you don't, of course, you, you want to look where you are in the race and um, what you have to do to catch the guy in front of you and stuff like that. But at the same time, you just want to, and I know this was said a hundred and thousand times probably, but you want to give your own very best. And that's the most important thing at the end. And I think I had the feeling I had a couple of races like this that year. For example, in Nice, where I had a really, really shitty swim and also a subpar bike ride, I would say. But then I had an amazing run because I just realized I don't want to give up and so i still had something positive to take away from that race and the same applies for challenge samurin for the championship where i also had a really bad day on the bike but i managed to somehow turn it around and that's just it's all about the the attitude sometimes especially towards yourself and 
yeah, I think that's that's really important. I mean, especially in Kona, you see a lot of guys, they have the right to have a goal, like, I want to be top five. But if they realize during the race they can't fulfill this goal anymore, they either DNF the race or they're going to just walk it home, more or less. And this happens in Kona a lot because a lot of the people have very, very, very high goals. And at one point, Kona destroys more dreams than it fulfills. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably well put. Um, and then there was another carrot for you probably to get that third spot uh, to, to finish on the podium because it also means for next year you only sort of like have to validate uh, your spot to be there again next year by finishing Ironman. And I know you are on the list for Cozumel in, what is it, four weeks, I think. Um, yeah. Is that still uh, a possible goal with your hip flexor? or? Um, yes. So, first of all, when you are in the race, you don't really think logical at one point. You don't know, okay, I'm in third place. I have to fight for that because that actually means Kona qualification. Or, um, I mean, the difference between a win and a second place is already enormous when it comes to the financial aspects. But it's also the difference between a third spot and a fourth spot is also quite significant when it comes to the financial aspect of it. Um, the most sponsors just pay for a top three and not for a fourth place. And so therefore, this makes a huge difference, not only with the validation uh, so that I just have to validate, but also financially. But you don't think like that during the race. During the race, it's just, there's there's other other things that push you forward and so uh, after the race i was really really happy after my whole crew was like yeah um you got the you got already got the kona slot and uh, this was actually it's gonna pay the bills <laughs> for the year you know um so it's interesting because I um, usually you get like these five years of um, uh, period of you, where you d just have to validate when you win the race. So hey, this up. Um, period ended. Yeah, this period ended for me this year um, after my win in 2014. So I never had to really think about qualifying for Kona. But with the new system that got implemented last year, um, it's getting more and more difficult actually to to qualify and. So therefore, I'm really happy that I made the third place. And yeah, so tomorrow I'm gonna have an have an MRI on my on my hip, and um, then we'll then we'll see. I mean, I just wanna yeah be sure that I don't do anything anything stupid because that's really easy, <laughs> especially after after race like that. You know, I feel still feel really good, and I would love to have the freedom to freely decide next year what I want to do and get this out of the way because, yeah, there's always something um, that can happen, you know, when you validate in a race like Frankfurt, you probably be uh, ill or or have a mechanical in the race or something else happens. And then it's July and then you need to do another race and this will cause a lot of stress. So therefore, yeah. Um, it would be nice to get it out of the way, and I also really love the race in in Cozumel. Um, yeah, so therefore, if if I get uh, cleared 
from the from the dog i might need another couple of days to yeah try to to heal up the the um, hip flexor but um yeah then i'll probably do it and i'm still yeah <laughs> feel relatively fresh and um that will create some some more space regarding next year with preparation and everything yeah uh, and you in this uh you, you just mentioned as well like that financial implication board basically by finishing third rather than fourth now in fourth place was uh, your good friend uh, ben hoffman so i guess you were buying the beers after the race for him <laughs> absolutely yeah and uh for his his family as well <laughs> um yeah i i mean we we went through a lot together to be honest um because last year he was not able to to start the race and i had a dnf in the race because of my heel achilles injury and um yeah so for him the whole the whole story started basically with our start at the Cape Epic. It's a mountain bike state race in South Africa. And um, he had a crash there, nothing too severe, but he fell on his back. And um, because he had Ironman South Africa just two weeks after the Cape Epic, um, he uh, yeah um, didn't, didn't le- really listen to his body, I guess. He also had to uh, wanted to validate the spot, and so he walked, or better put it that way, into the marathon. And I know how tough of an athlete he is. I don't know anybody who trains that much volume. It's uh, <laughs> it's really crazy, um, and also inspiring for me when I'm staying in his place and watch his uh, work ethic. Um, yeah. So, but therefore he. Uh, hurt himself even more doing this and so because of our little adventure in south africa he uh, he more or less um had a really really bad year in 2018 so it was really good to see him come back like this and win ironman south africa earlier in the year and um of course i (laughs) um I'm happy that I beat him at the end for third place, but at the same time, it was just very good to to see him back up there. In 2014, he was runner-up to me in in Kona, and um, yeah, I uh, I hope we can repeat that. I don't mind the the order then. <laughs> I think this also shows like there's often and especially nowadays maybe online there's quite a bit of banter between uh, all your triathletes <laughs> uh, one guy in specific who was, uh, was investigating it all but uh, uh, but at the same time there's also a lot of friendship oh yeah I mean uh, the I think it's there is also friendship because most of the guys they they're like really honest and not holding back when they think there is something wrong or whatever, and um, so that that creates a pretty good atmosphere amongst the the athletes, and that's the reason why I really really love the sport. You know, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, I travel 240 days a year in the sport, and of course, I train a lot with sometimes my direct uh, competition for a pretty long time, and it's just. Yeah, part of the reason why I really, really love the sport so much is 
you fight um, against each other and throw everything against each other in in an eight hour race and then but when the race is over i'm still able to stay in in ben's house for three and a half weeks and share share a lot of training um with him and that's just really really nice something i really love about the sport yeah you mentioned like obviously you're racing each other in that competition is that something that motivates you and like you said after this race i think as well on your in one of your posts like you sort of like opened a new door in your house to that's <laughs> going to keep you going is that that competition a part of that as well or um it's it's actually not that easy to answer i think when i started the sport i was really fueled by win every race i'm attending and beat everybody and uh, make yourself a name and you know just being respected from uh, from the other guys and um being recognized by the by the media and um of course trying to get these uh, sponsorships and and everything and um at one point you realize it's not it's not forever it's not you can't do this another 10 years, you know, in the two, three years ago, I, I never thought about that at one point I actually not going to do this anymore. <laughs> um, and you always take everything for given, you know, I didn't had any problems with injuries for maybe 10 years. And then I had four years where I sometimes get up in the morning and I could barely walk. And I was like, Oh gosh, this is, not good like maybe i can't even do another year and i have to to yeah to end my career this year and it was crazy because you think this is going on forever you got so used to it i'm in the sport for more than 25 years now and um yeah 15 years as a professional so i i was kind of shocked because even two weeks of a break sometimes makes you really nervous and you don't know what you do the whole day more or less and um so the motivation for this year of course it's still it's still winning races and beat the other guys but i also realized how much i just love what i'm what i'm doing and being in all these yeah wonderful places and especially enjoying the level of freedom i think that's something you need to get a little bit older to realize that this is something very, very unusual. You know, I think there's only a few people have this level of freedom. I enjoy, you know, I mean, if you race for a professional cycling team, they make your schedule. They tell you maybe you can't even win this race. You have to ride for another rider or whatsoever. So it's, it's very difficult. And in triathlon, especially on the level I am, I can decide pretty much everything myself. I can decide my equipment, my sponsors, um, the media I want to talk to, uh, the races I want to do. That's all in my in my hands. And that's something you need a little bit time to realize that this is not normal, actually, <laughs> that this is quite good. And so I really enjoyed the year and the, uh, the progress I made in this year and also realizing that the progress I made this year is not not given. I mean, I'm 35 years of age now, and at one point you're not 
just get better because you you get one year older or you get a little bit more experience or something like that. Now it's more you really have to look for all these little details and I became really good at this, I think. And also I changed my coaches last year and that also kind of fueled the motivation again, I think, for this year. And so I'm all overall really, really happy with this year, even if there have been a couple of <laughs> second places or third places where I would have loved to win. Yeah, awesome. And looking at like sort of like the freedom, um, this is the Tux Turbo talk. So if you would have like a, the freedom to plan like your own Tux workout, what is, what is your favorite one that you then usually give yourself, treat yourself to? <laughs> Um, it's actually a quite uh, tough one and you always think, yeah, triathletes, they ride the bike for 180k and so therefore usually they spend a lot of hours on the bike and um, yes, that, that might be right. But um, on the other hand, you always have to try to up your limit to be comfortable at those longer um, longer rides and stuff like that. So during the winter, I wrote a lot of really intense um, yeah, workouts and I think that's really good to do them on the trainer and one of them is just the classical 30-30 intervals so that's maybe a 25-30 minute warm-up and then it's three blocks of 10 by 30 seconds with 30 seconds rest so I start doing them at like 430 watts per 30 seconds with um, 160 watts for the um, for the 30 seconds rest, and I I just yeah love that that set, and I think it's only possible to do that on a on a good indoor trainer because you have to be able to build up the power really quick and also dial back the power really quick, and that's really difficult to do outside, and I have the feeling that time flies. <laughs> buy pretty pretty fast i don't need anything else than maybe um some uh, some more aggressive uh, music on my headphones <laughs> uh, no tv or uh, any other distraction or something like that just uh, just the screen with the text app on and um yeah and hit the numbers right i think that's uh, quite quite a motivation is that something that your trainer came maybe came up with as well? Is it like a, uh, a change maybe in your training doing more high intensity stuff, or did you always do that? Um, I always did it, but um, maybe not as structured as it is now. Um, so now it's really like very specific, and um, he he is looking in in the, any uh, any of the sets and. So it gets adjusted um, really, really quick. And but therefore, it's it's always interesting, but it's also always very, very demanding sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I want to move on to like uh, the, usually we have the Tux Turbo Talk fan question of the week, but uh, we got flooded with questions uh, for you this week. So we're <laughs> trying to go through a couple of them. Uh, maybe one related to uh to the workouts indoor uh, a lot of people actually wanted to know what your ftp is i think it's just right now it's probably just a touch over 400 so for 20 minutes yeah 20 minute typical ftp um uh, test 
but it's very difficult to to say actually because um i'm not training for a very high fdp you know um it's very i find it very easy for me to to up that quite a bit so if i do specific workouts like the one i said where you do a lot of vo2 max stuff or very high intensity short intervals i would say my fdp in the winter is probably even even 30 watts or maybe 35 watts higher than it is right now um also due to the fact that um for kona i'm probably three three kilos lighter four kilos lighter than i am in the winter um so it's i know always the people want to have like this one number where they can say oh this is actually a good cyclist or is not a good cyclist but that's just <laughs> part of the story you know i mean um yeah you're a triad you're a triathlete so you want to be balanced and obviously and it's not all about that bike leg yeah sure and and um it doesn't like i mean it doesn't tell how fast you can ride a bike what's your fdp so i bet there there are a lot of cyclists they have a lower fdp probably than me but the problem is they are 15 kilograms lighter <laughs> so i have no chance on any on any major climb um, against guys like that because they just push a way higher watt per kilogram so the fdp is only interesting in relation to your uh, body weight that's one of the things and the next thing is um, for tt if you ride these fdp on the road bike but then on the tt bike when you have very extreme position you might lose like 25 30 watts in that position it's also quite difficult to say um it's just a power because some people would push like enormous power but they're not really they're not really having a very good aerodynamic so that's also important and then exactly what you said for me it's actually not that important it's more important that i'm able to ride let's say 300 watts for four and a half hours and then still run a 244 marathon or something like that. That's for me way more important than having a 30 watt or 40 watt higher FDP. Yeah. All right. Um, moving on to the next question, because this question actually was from uh, Lorenzo and he got a really great answer from you. So thanks for that. Next one, a question from Thomas. And he wanted to know, is it going to be Frankfurt or Road in 2020? Huh, I don't know yet. Um, like I said, I got an MRI tomorrow on my on my hip, and um, then I will will decide. I mean, there's also a third option that I don't do a long course race at all in German summer. But um, yeah, for now, I would love to do Cozumel and then be able to decide absolutely um, free what race I want to do. And that does not mean that I will definitely do Ross. Um, I mean, I would love to <laughs> have another chance against Jan for sure. Um, and yeah, obviously he has to validate at one race as well. So, um, and Frankfurt and Ross are just the biggest races for us in, in Europe. And so there's a pretty high chance that it will be Patrick, um, Jan and maybe me as well in Frankfurt again. But yeah, like I said, um, First, I have to get this sorted, and then I will decide. Yeah. Uh, Oscar wants to know, what's your favorite 70.3 course? 
Puh, uh, that's difficult to say. Um, I've done quite a lot of the races and um, there a lot of the races have pretty uh, pretty uh, unique uh, courses and, and stuff like that. 70.3 in St. George, uh, Utah is definitely one of my favorite um, courses and um, a race I tried to to win for a very long time and I wasn't successful um, so far and uh, next year it's going to be a full distance. If he wants to have a really spectacular course and a very demanding course, it's definitely one of the races that are very, uh, <laughs> very interesting. And um, then one of my first big su successes um, as a professional was in Wiesbaden in Germany. And I also really loved that course. Unfortunately, the race is not um, not around anymore. So that's a little bit of a bummer, but I really, really love that course. So in general, I love courses where there's, a, there's some climbing and some technical aspects to the bike course. And therefore, I also love the, love the course from this year's um, uh, Ironman 70.3 World Championships in Nice. I think that was a pretty, pretty spectacular course, and so yeah, now he got the general idea. I think. <laughs> yeah, and then maybe even the seventy point three World Taupo next year. Who knows? Another one. Danny wants to know where and how are you going to celebrate Christmas this year? Oh, hopefully at home. Um, that's one of the few occasions where I still meet my two sisters, my brother. And uh, the whole whole family. And um, like I said, this year I've been traveling for <laughs> for more than 250 days, or at least not at home. And so, um, yes, fam. I mean, that's also one of the things. As a um, teenager, I kind of never liked Christmas. I always thought it's a good idea to spend um, uh, Christmas time in the training camp. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, now you realize um, that's actually really um, something nice to to get together as a family and yeah enjoy that. So I, I hope I'm at home. But yeah, it's always difficult to say. Sometimes plans change quickly, but usually I'm always at home. Okay, we got three more short questions. Uh, Christoph wants to know what's your most inspiring human being? Who inspires you the most? <laughs> That's a that's a big question, and um, to be honest, when I was younger, I think I had a lot of um, idols and uh, role models and people that just inspired me. But when you grow up, um, you realize not not all of the things are actually true, and um, that there is no no such people as. Uh, perfect human being so whatsoever so um sometimes it's more the people that are really really close to me and um it's different aspects of people i mean when i look at the in in sports um i think i don't have to look very far it's for sure jan uh for deno who's uh, who is inspiring me also because i know him very well and i know that it's actually legit and <laughs> um yeah it's it's just he he's definitely something um he's somebody that inspires me from a from a sports standpoint but 
there's a lot of other people that inspire me that and they have nothing to do with uh, sports. For example, uh, I studied physics, so um, Richard Feynman, for example, is somebody where I think like this is just an amazing, amazing guy. He he is in a total different um, <laughs> um, area um, than than us people in the sport. But I always get inspired by people that are very good in what they do. It doesn't mean they have to do sport. It can be music. Um, it can be a science or whatsoever. So, yeah. Right. Awesome. I, I sort of like gave you the opportunity to, to name Cam there, but we'll, uh, <laughs> if he listens, maybe. But uh, <laughs> we got, uh, let's see the question. Oh, yeah. It is from Mateus, and he says, Sebi. If it's hurting me but not killing them, am I doing something <laughs> wrong? <laughs> yeah, um, I realized that um, quite a lot this year. I was hurting a lot, but nobody, nobody got killed. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think you have to hurt yourself for quite a long time until you actually can kill somebody when you're just hurting. Um, so therefore, no, I think you're doing everything right, but you just have to, to keep pushing in this direction. <laughs> All right, awesome. Uh, last one, who's going to be the next non-German Kona winner? Wow, um, I think we uh, we thought about this for, for quite some time this year. And I think it's going to be, uh, be really, really interesting. And I just saw that um, Javi Gomez is on the start list for Ironman Malaysia and that his plan is to race Kona again next year after the Olympics. I would not say that this is happen, happening next year. I think next year, it's, sorry, it's going to be another German win. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who it is, but, but the year after, I would probably say if... Um, Javi gives it another another try. I think he is somebody uh, who's able, for sure, able to to win the race. And then there's another guy, and um, I think not a lot of people have him on the screen yet. But um, I think his um, first name is Daniel. I'm not even sure. <laughs> Becky Gard. Um Some people know him for a really nice victory celebration. <laughs> <laughs> From one of the races, was that um, in Austria was that? Uh, yes, exactly. Um, but I think this guy is actually—he is—he is really—he is, really, is a really nice guy, and I think um, so. Of course, he maybe maybe overdid it a little bit with his uh, victory ceremony, but I also love that he is just pumped. You know, I mean, it just shows that this actually means some something to him. You know. And um, I think this year, you know, he already swam in the in the first group in, in Kona. And then he had a mechanical on the bike. But so therefore, nobody really took notice. But I would say take notice because it will not be too long. And this guy will appear on the podium if he's going to be the next uh, non-German winner. Oh, very difficult to say, but of course I have to come up with something, something special—a dark horse who nobody else probably has on the list now. So I have Javi and I have um, Beckegaard as 
as my two guys um <laughs> one very well-known guy and another one who who probably will will own this race in the future all right awesome yeah he finished 15th i think uh, with, with that mechanical still so yeah that's another that's another thing why i think um he is he's one of the guys to watch because it's always easy to give up in kona you know you always find a reason why why it's not a good day to finish the race um but especially if it's your first race um i think you should not take something like a me mechanical as an excuse i know i had a um um a flat tire when when i first raced in raced in 2012 um and i lost like 10 minutes because i had to wait for the neutral support but at the end i still finished fourth place and i think it's very important to uh, especially on your first on your first attempt to realize this is a hard race and a lot of things can go wrong but you can still turn it around somehow and i think um so it, it was important also for him to finish the race and i think it shows uh, what you mentioned now about your experience 2012 as well your character like there are no shortcuts so just always have to keep going for it yeah absolutely sometimes it's more um you know it's more rewarding um to to finish the race and even if it was a very bad day just have the feeling of you know sitting on this very long flight back home and you know at least you tried everything i mean i can remember the feeling very very well last year of not finishing the race and i mean it was not an easy decision and sometimes of course you have to make this decision um especially if it's your yeah if it's your if it's your um that the health that's that's on the line then you sometimes make have to make this decision but it was just really really bad two months and um it takes definitely quite some time to get over it <laughs> Yeah. All right, Sebi, I want to thank you so much for your time. Uh, it took way longer than we actually thought it would be with all those fan questions coming in. So, yeah, thanks heaps. Yeah, well, uh, no worries. Thanks for, for having me. And hopefully that MRI is going to come back uh, with a good result tomorrow and uh, you, you can validate that spot in Cozumel and after that have a sort of like relaxed Christmas and then uh, see what you're going to do in 2020. Thanks a lot for following along. All right. And thanks everyone for listening to this 25th episode of the Tux Turbo Talks already again. If you enjoyed what you were hearing, leave a rating and review wherever you listen to this podcast. This was Rob Bau with Sebastian Kingle. Stay tuned for the next Tux Turbo Talks.